Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is season four, episode three of our romance novel focused podcast. My name is Alana and I am one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing My Fake Rape by Eva Lean. How are you today, Wendy? I'm great. Good. It's a sunny day and the coronavirus sickened Little Rock. <laughs> it's like every introvert's dream. <laughs> I like how we got we got like 30 seconds into that podcast without mentioning the coronavirus. So that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if it was exactly 30 seconds. Do you have coronavirus in Little Rock yet? Yeah, there's I think one no yeah. Yes, I do. I don't know the particulars, but all the toilet paper is gone, so that's that's really the only thing that matters. That's the only thing you need to know. <laughs> and my parents decided to come visit me at possibly the worst possible time. Oh no. Because <laughs> they're here and they were like, Where should we go this weekend? Oh nowhere. Because everything's closed in Arkansas. Do you go for a hike? <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> My family's not a hiking family. <laughs> nah, nah. But yeah. How are you today? I'm doing good. There are no coronavirus sightings in my part of Indiana yet. But there is still like almost no toilet paper at the grocery store. <laughs> No, actually, I will say there was there was plenty of toilet paper at the grocery store. But admittedly, like on Saturday, because I've gotten so many crazy reports since Friday was also payday. Oh, yeah. And so people was like doubly busy Mm -hmm. on Saturday morning. I went to the grocery store like 830 in the morning. Oh, man. And so I just just so that like I I didn't end up in some sort of weird environment. But and at the time, you know. Shout out to our grocery store clerks who were like as fast as they could restocking everything. Yeah. They could. <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys are doing a great job. Like into the point where like we were looking for some onions and there wasn't any onions out. And I'm like, hey, do you have any onions? They're like, I'm on it. <laughs> and they brought us some onions. Like I was like, you guys are so great. Like, <laughs> Crisis management. They're yeah. on it. I don't know if anyone trains restocking grocery produce people on crisis management. I have been trained my entire life to find you that last onion. (laughs) (laughs) There were plenty of onions. It was just like on the bottom anyway. Mm -hmm. I just, what a world. What a world. Maybe by Um, the time that this actually comes out, coronavirus will not be a thing. Or we'll all be dead. Or we'll all be dead. (laughs) I like the idea of me posting this like <laughs> three months later <laughs> when I'm dead. <laughs> Maybe I scheduled yeah. it. Maybe you scheduled it. Uh, it's fun. But even if we're thinking that, we're not that organized even in a crisis, right? So we're not thinking through through the process. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Lord. Um, I'm an extrovert, so all my parties have been canceled. Oh, man. And I'm trying to like move myself towards other things, but I have spent my first project has been 
infusing various things into vodka, which is a fun <laughs> project. <laughs> I love it because it has nothing to do with this book. It does in that it's sciencey. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay. It's science. I'll I'll take science. that. Sciencey. I accept. Okay. Uh, even I though see. they don't like do any kind of experiments, or they're also anthropologists and herpetologists, so they don't they don't do like chemical experience experiments. It's I, I count it. I count it. I may have chosen this book in hopes I could do a vodka infusing project. So. <laughs> Um, and I even, I have more, I bought a whole book on vodka infusing. So even when it's not topical, it will continue to be important. This will be your new thing. And then you're going to have a lot of interesting tasting vodkas. Yeah. The the people who (laughs) loot my house during the coronavirus are going to be like, this person has an interesting taste in vodka. (laughs) Post-apocalyptic world. (laughs) Also... Alana, I'd like to formally thank you for giving me the worst tasting alcohol I've ever tasted. That what? that sorghum liquor they brought uh, me for Thanksgiving. I finally had it and it was awful. Have you ever tried that weird sorghum li- liquor that you gave me? No, I gave you liquor? Yeah, remember for Thanksgiving, y'all came over and you were like, here's a housewarming gift of something that somebody gave us. Yay. Oh. It's like from Hong Kong or something. Oh. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I think of the the way in which I gave that to you, apparently. (laughs) It was like, you know, the best gifts are the gifts that comes with a story of how it was gifted to them and they didn't want it, so they gave it to you. That's, That's the best. That's what... Matt did when he gave it to me. He was like, "Right, it was given to him by one of his coworkers." <laughs> and it is like drinking gasoline or antifreeze uh, or something. <laughs> but <laughs> all of your senses are deadened after the first sip, so then it becomes better. There you go. There you go. Man, Sorghum liquor would not do again. Zero out of five well, stars. Well, maybe two. <laughs> two out of five stars. Two, two Really giving. <laughs> for something that was so terrible. Mm-hmm. What um, is the drink that you have yes. prepared for us today? I have prepared for you a Skittles-infused vodka. Mm-hmm. And so the way you do that is you take some Skittles and you put some vodka and you shake it up and then you wait 24 hours and then you strain out like the gunk. Yeah. Uh, and I took only the green Skittles. Mm-hmm. Mostly because my friends apparently don't like green apple Skittles. Ew, um, green apple? Yeah, that's what the... <sighs> I thought it was really? lime or something. It used to be lime and they changed it and you never noticed. So the fault is yours. <laughs> I have been tricked. <laughs> Which also, I just want to say that green apple tastes good with the other flavors and you eat Skittles as a unit. Yeah. Okay? You eat them just, as a unit. Yeah, you just you just throw in a big handful and it just tastes like, man, fruitish stuff. Fruit, fruit. It's a fruit bowl. All right? Mm-hmm. It's a, they travel in a pack. That's why it's called a pack of Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> we are meant to eat together. Yeah, it's all for one and all, one for all, okay? <laughs> I have 
a surprising amount of my friends who also happen to be like librarians and probably a little OCD, who apparently sort them. Wow. And then eat them by flavor. Why? Also, the flavor is not that different. The flavor is not. Well, actually, when you infuse them, they they actually do. You can really tell the difference. Mm. But it's not Skittle. It's not taste the parts of the rainbow that you feel like you like the best. (laughs) It's taste taste all of the rainbow together. So it just tastes like a weird fruity rainbow. You can't see it, but I'm making lots of hand motions. (laughs) Eat them together. Who are you monsters that have been going out? And someone said that they threw out the green ones. Threw them out? They threw them out? Listen, if you're going to at least like sort them out and be like really thoughtful about it at least like make a little assortment pile with the green ones so that they are evened out by the rest of the skittles and don't waste food like just donate those 12 (laughs) (laughs) there is someone hungry out there who has said to themselves i would die except if i only had green skittles exactly 12 of them not like a whole pack but just like it wouldn't be a pack it would be a bunch of just skittle loners god now i have to taste a green skittle it's gonna ruin it for me alana because i hate green apple i also will tell you that i had a disproportionately larger amount of grape skittles Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. And I wondered if they've been doing this for a lot longer. In the same way they changed <laughs> the lime to the green apple and you and many other people had not noticed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I distilled that in some vodka. And then to give it, so it's got a real artificial taste to it because it really takes on the, the taste of it. <laughs> so I added some grapefruit juice to it to mm-hmm. give it like more of a floral taste and some ginger ale. And then I put a flower in it. So that it looked like a swamp, uh, kind of a reptilian swamp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that works. What's the name of your drink? My drink is called Research Solves Everything. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That was one of my favorite parts of this book, is that research solves everything. Research solves everything. God, Um, they're so cute. I really wanted to make a drink, and it didn't fit. And let me find the... The thing, the note, but I had like another one I wanted to name it. Let me bring it up. I haven't uh, seen your photo oh. yet. Is it an electric green? No, the color of the uh, grapefruit sort of muddles the green. Oh, okay. So it does look very swampy. Mm. But yeah, it definitely works. And the and the uh, little flower coming out of it sort of helps. Mm. When she's talking to her familiar uh, chaperone. Let me find it. Ah. My Spencer and Bonnet, Kitty, now. <laughs> I also wanted to call it that. Spencer and Bonnet. Also, uh, Kitty was my favorite. She uh, made with a book, with her nose in a book the entire time. The entire time. We should probably say, yeah. Um, but before we get into the book um, mm-hmm. a little bit more, we have a couple of different book reports. And the first thing we need to talk about is apparently independently without discussing it, both of us went and saw Emma. Yeah, I love in Emma. In movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of the movie? Since thought, you are a big Jane Austen fan. Well, I'd like to let you all know that I wrote my thesis on Emma. 
just to be hoity-toity about it. Just FYI. Just FYI. It's kind of like how I throw out, you know, as an English major, like, it's kind of like the people who say, like, I'm from Harvard, you know? I wrote my thesis. Kind of a big deal in Uh in thinking about this particular Yeah, it was published in all the major... No, it wasn't. It was was actually terrible. I don't actually know what it was about. But (laughs) anyway... I thought it was cute, and apparently I am a lot less uptight about adaptations these days because there has been a time in my life where I have gotten very angry at adaptations and, like, talk about, like, the the whatever. But I, I was spending so much time thinking about the parts that I love about Emma that I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't really that angry about it. Yeah, yeah, because it's a while since I, you know, I don't think I've read Emma actually, but I've yeah. watched many Emma adaptions. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have read Emma. I can't remember. It's not what happened in that movie. Yeah, there were parts in which I was like, "Oh yeah, that's not how it actually happened in the book," but that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. The parts that they had were fit the sort of characters that they were creating. Yeah, it it was definitely like a it was derivative of Emma because the characters really weren't because that's that's also the problem is that Emma is such an ironic character you can hate her so much and you can also really like her and the point is to like see all sides of her so it's really hard to do in 2 hours and most of the things that Emma does that are actual actions that you can focus on are Emma being horrible. Like, for instance, um, making Harriet fall in love with the wrong guy and <laughs> saying weird things about, st- like, class and status and that kind of stuff, acting like a hoity-toity bitch. Those are the actions she does, but... It's really her motivations and her thought process that make you see her as a whole person. So really, a lot of a lot of adaptations, you just see her like fuck with everybody's life, and then, <laughs> and then you're like, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> and then the the movie ends. But and I don't I don't know if that was achieved in this movie, but it was also just cute, and I liked that. I don't know. It was cute. I like that um, they put a lot of things in there that aren't necessarily... If you dig deep in Emma, you can find that there's rivalry between Mr. Knightley and Frank Churchill, but you just don't. But in this one, it was like overt rivalry. <laughs> like they, they just didn't want to talk to each other at all. <laughs> and there was another part where she was like... So uh, Harriet looks really good on paper as far as an accomplished woman, you know, like she's demure and pretty and I don't know, all the other things that people say that are important for a woman. And Emma shows that and she's like, and like Mr. Knightley is kind of making fun of Emma or Harriet at the beginning because she is like super dumb and silly. (laughs) She says something like once when men decide to value intelligence over beauty, then you will be able to say something about it. But right now, all they care about is beauty and like accomplishments. And that wasn't in the book, but it was like the feeling was behind it. 
It's like somebody wrote an essay about it, and then they read the essay, and then they wrote the words. Uh-huh. What did you think? I thought it was a delightful rom-com. Mm-hmm. I thought that there is like a like a certain amount of felt like it was kind of well cast, right? Like everyone is a little bit awkward and weird in the story. Yeah. And I liked how like everyone is a little bit neurotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they're just all kind of hyperventilating, trying to like keep their cool, yeah. which I thought was kind of like nice in this sort of like Victorian Englandy or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just very stilted and kind of making it uh, focus on it. And I felt like the Mister Knightley character guy that does it is such a like puppy dog in the story. Yes, but you know, like there's like this part that they added, which I don't think was in the book, where they dance and then he runs to, to her house to be like to basically proclaim his love. And, oh yeah, that didn't happen. Anyway, and and it's just like the whole time you're like, oh. Like, it was just so perfectly romance novel, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Perfectly. It was just, like, very dashing and and, uh, and cute. And pretty. It was extremely pretty with all that extra Georgian filigree everywhere. Yeah. Also, (laughs) there's all of these piles of food that no one ate ever. Mm -hmm. I liked it. And there's there's a lot of physical comedy that is... Of course, not in Emma, the book, that is just delightful. Like, it's it's the Mr. Woodhouse having the footman move the the screen every which way. And the footmen, like, look at each other like, oh, my God, not again. Like, that's, <laughs> that's definitely like a nonverbal comedy that is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. I quite liked it. He was, Nelly yeah, was cute. Of- he was a cutie. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, Mr. Lightly was cute. And everyone was sort of like cute little things like the vicar in the story during the the first wedding scenes is like trying to act very serene. And then he like Mm -hmm. does a little like open his eye and then look back out again. (laughs) Like, it's totally like a lot of what you're talking about with the neuroticism and and ought odd people is totally like the the feeling that Austin is trying to portray like the part of the point of the book is that Emma is stuck in that tiny village talking to the every single person that she has ever known in her whole life forever you know like she's been talking to Miss Miss Bates who is a ridiculous person forever and she has no hope of leaving so like that feeling of like just having people always around you that you may not particularly like but <laughs> have to live with is like very, very Jane Austen. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I liked it when I was watching it. Like, I laughed a lot. And I was thinking about it since I watched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd see that again. And that doesn't really happen with me in movies. Mm-hmm. I also don't like any time. Like, I watch a lot of Chopped. I'm not like <laughs> for like things yeah. that are gonna make me feel very bad. Yeah, but it's I, totally you know. it's totally fitting the purpose of an Austin adaptation, which is light and funny and just like not not high in the drama or the you know the emotional stuff. <laughs> well, also at the same time, being like throughout it, it's so ridiculous, like like how privileged their lives are, you know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they don't, they, they definitely include like all the servants that are doing like every little tiny thing for them. So you read the next, the mermaid, we call it the mermaid book, but you read another mermaid story. Is that true? I read, let me see, let me find the name of it. The Merman's Kiss, which was very mermaid, mermanish. Because I, w- I was feeling like we didn't really get that that subgenre in, you know, when we read the the Selkie one. So, yeah, and this one was free. So, of course, it's going to be amazing. And it's called A Merman's Kiss, A Steamy Mythology Romance. I think I talked about this last time there. <laughs> there was it was it was more of that, like, you know, shifter kind of monstery thing. But. Very quickly, pros and cons. The pro is that the mermen make a little, like, den for their prospective mates. Like, (laughs) they make their house all pretty. (laughs) Like, they, like, like, have, like, a kelp for, like, garden that they tend so their girlfriends could just be all happy. It's kind of like those... Birds or whatever that like pick really shiny pet bulls. Like I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> Generally not good though. <laughs> also, apparently they have like mammalian genitalia. I think we talked about that before. That was weird. Okay, so final idea behind the whole merman thing is that I just couldn't get over the fact that she was underwater for most of it, and she was like just hanging out like she was fine like she wasn't floating to the top she was like swimming around just fine she was utterly helpless other than the fact that he let her like his kiss like made her breathe underwater and then (laughs) since it's a novella i'm gonna spoil it for you okay since it's a novella (laughs) and free (laughs) it ended in the weirdest way because she realizes that she cannot live underwater for the rest of her life. Surprise. Because you have freaking two legs and you're like, you have like no defenses. It's just, it's just bad. So she, she goes back to the air. And so he's like, I figured it out. <laughs> as long as, And apparently the merman's kiss that gave her the ability to breathe underwater also gives him the ability to like live on land which doesn't make any fucking sense Uh. (laughs) he, he like he like makes out with her and then he like walks out of the water you know he had a full tail he had a full fin tail but now he's just walking out in the water with the human legs and he's totally okay with it and he's like i'm here for you angelfish it's your time to share magic with me. And then, uh, and then he's like carrying her out of the water. And she goes, you're human. <laughs> Good job for noticing that. Are you really here to stay? Yes. He used his real voice this time instead of only in his <sighs> mind. Because they were talking through telepathy. Because she's well, yeah, she can't fucking water. talk in water. <laughs> also, it's pretty dark down there like do you not know that it's pretty dark she can't even see anyway 
<laughs> and then she stepped back, her gaze roving over his broad shoulders to his well-muscled stomach and lower to where his members stood at half-mast amid sparse silver curls. Where his tail had been, he now had perfect athletic legs. Her attention returned to his cock. You're naked, and you're a man. <laughs> you are. And his cock twitched in response, rising to attention. Yes, I am. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. Five out of five. Just kidding. What was Will I read more? Possibly. <laughs> but you you read another book too, didn't you? I did. So we had talked about reading The Price of Salt because Donna Riley was going to be on the podcast. Hi, Donna Riley. Hi. I do still want you on the podcast. You're really great. But now you live two hours away, so it's harder. Mm-hmm. And you're real busy because you're real smart and stuff. Yeah. Now it sounds like I have a big crush on Donna Riley. You, but, <laughs> we have established this. Let That's me tell true. you about my best friend. <laughs> then you guys like high five. <laughs> probably. Probably. Anyway, and so she had wanted to read The Price of Salt, which is like from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lesbian kind of like kind of almost pulp noir type of book. And you and I had both been scared because we almost never read anything before 2012. <laughs> and also we never read things that are serious. Yeah, and so we were like, I was like, man, it, it's about a lesbian romance, and I'm like, they're going to end up killing each other in, like, some terrible torture. In life. the 50s. Like, it didn't go mm-hmm. well. <laughs> no. Anyway, and maybe it was the 60s. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I and read it was written. Book. Wasn't it written by the guy who did Tom's Mr. Lip- Ripley? Yeah, it's a lady. Oh, Patricia lady, Heisman. Yeah. But yeah, talented Mr. Ripley, which is also real messed up, and Strangers on the train as well anyway so we were pretty sure that everyone was going to get murdered but i read it for one of my other book clubs and it is delightful it is often sad but more in a like kind of like kind of thoughtful way about like the way society is and then i don't think um, i can do that then (laughs) well no it's more about like she has all these dreams of how she's going to live her life. And she's also like kind of obsessed with Carol, mm-hmm. which is the girl in this like real puppy dog way. And Carol clearly does not care for her for most of the story as much as she does. Mm-hmm. And the story is sort of her finding herself a little bit in terms of that. Mm-hmm. And she's got like this real bad relationship with her boyfriend, Richard. Anyway, but in the end, they get together. Yay! That's surprising. So... Yeah, I was also surprised. So it really was a good pick for this podcast. Oh, dang. Because it's very arty. It's kind of like, I can't remember the name of the off the person, but those pop art paintings that have all the blown up comic book characters. Um, Shoot. It reminds uh, me of kind of, shoot. Like you mean Lichtenstein? Com- yeah, yeah. It kind of was like reading a Lichtenstein painting. that's what i would say that's cool so i i liked it i was um uncertain if it was gonna make me very sad and it is sad at times but you know i have a really hard time when society won't accept them because i'm like yeah you are beautiful souls and i accept you everyone else should accept you 
Yeah. And it's the fifties. So also like the main, it, the main love interest, Carol, like loses, loses custody to her children. Oh shit. So. Sucks. Yeah. But I mean, no one murders them. Oh, well, well, and they end up together. That's, that's an improvement from what I thought that, would happen. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. So, great. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would it. like to point out that um, Alana, more and more, um, you pick some like, hey, there's this critically acclaim- acclaimed romance novel that we could read. And then I go, hey, there's this weird thing that is weird. And just is weird. <laughs> Usually has monsters or aliens or and it's just bad. It's just bad. That is not true. I believe I chose Scrooge McFuck. <laughs> I mean, how can you how can you turn that turn that how can away? You know? How can you not? Know? Which leads us to my fake rake. Yeah. Which we saw on the romance novel world was really loving. Mm-hmm. And it, so, this is another option, another version of Alana saying, hey, there's a romance novel that's critically acclaimed. <laughs> and then I go, hey, I want to read about mermen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where the mer penis is. That's, yeah. that's so yeah, <laughs> you have to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, NPR did a thing on, on this book, didn't they? Uh, no, I don't think so. But that's good on them for doing something about my fake rake. Mm-hmm. It was delightful. So it was delightful. I'm trying to find the back. Here we go. Lady Grace is content as a wallflower, focusing on scientific pursuits rather than complications of society matches. But a handsome celebrated naturalist returns from abroad. Grace wishes for once to be noticed. Her solution to, quote unquote, build the perfect man who will court her publicly and help her catch his eye. Grace's colleague, anthropologist Sebastian, is just the blank slate she requires. To further her own research on English society, Sebastian agrees to let tra- Grace transform him into the, from the bespeckled, bookish academic into a dashing, albeit fake, rake. Between secret lessons on how to be a rogue and exaggerated public flirtations, Grace's feelings for Sebastian grow from friendship into deniable, inconvenient, real attraction. If only she hadn't take it asked him to help her marry someone else. Mm-hmm. So this is in the the fake relationship uh-huh. subgenre. Also makeover relationship. I mean makeover. Make, yeah, make I felt like the whole time I was I was I kept on thinking about the uh plot of she's all that. Yeah. It was a gender swap she's all that. Yeah. That's yeah. that is my archetype for makeover movies is she's all that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I kept thinking about like it's that, and and I kept thinking back to Ever After, a Cinderella story. <laughs> <laughs> a bird can love a fish, Senor, but where will they live? That was what I was thinking of. And then, oh, I man. fucking love that movie. That was a good I feel- movie. I feel like we were just the right age forever after a Cinderella. Yeah. And also she's all that. That was definitely my preteen years where I realized yeah. the boys yeah. exist and I was like, ah, Freddie Prince Jr. And I kept thinking about, yeah, oh my God, both the ever after moment when she puts on the wings mm-hmm. and and she walks in with her glitter face and everyone turns and she's like, <laughs> just keep breathing. No, she says, just breathe. 
just breathe. And um, <laughs> which was like and it reminded me immediately after that came out on in the movie theaters. I feel like a whole bunch of girls got that tattooed on their arm or something. <laughs> just breathe, you know, <laughs> be like Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Just breathe. <laughs> but it happens in this, and he, which in which um, Sebastian walks into like a ballroom. At looking dashing and everyone turns and he keeps telling himself to breathe and I'm like oh my god mm-hmm. like I was thinking back to that or you know uh, yeah <sighs> you know for sure but so I guess the question is is what did you think of the book overall I loved it here's a lot of things that had had going for it it was a makeover book but they were both nerds. Like <laughs> that really made me happy because usually when when you get into um, makeover books, your makeover movies and such, you're kind of like, yeah, but also you should care about the person they were before, you know. <laughs> like you kind of end up like just hating the guy a little bit because he didn't notice her before, and they were very cognizant of that. She brought that up when she was like. Mason is paying attention to me now, but also, fuck, he's paying attention to me now, and he just, he didn't. How shallow. Yeah, like, it's almost like tricking your significant other into falling in love with you, while a common romance trope is not a good idea for a long-lasting relationship. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I think this book is really good at, like, building this this whole scheme and then realizing how fucked up it is Mm -hmm. yeah and like men do that and they get away with it because men are dumb it's kind of like in the um in the (laughs) the princess what was that called the the nigerian princess book oh princess theory princess theory the guy was like i shall do this stupid thing and then she was like and then his assistant was like no 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 that's that's a terrible idea i know i shall do this thing and it'll be awesome it, like guys can bless their hearts they can get away with it <laughs> but <laughs> but with women it's like you know oh maybe this is a terrible idea i like that they were cognizant of that also i i really liked Sebastian. Did you like Sebastian? I didn't like Sebastian. I felt like at times he was a white knight. Mm -hmm. Like in that he'd be like, what? People think that think that it's unseemly for women to discuss reptiles. Why I oughta like I'll get them. I will fight them for you. This is so wrong. I had never, ever heard of such a thing happening, (laughs) even though I live in Victorian England, you know? Yeah. I had a lot of problems with that whole, the amount of outrage that he felt at every part of this society, which Sebastian also lived in. I felt like that was at times like exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I did think that his lack of his sort of um, neurosis and shyness that he has, I felt made him incredibly endearing Mm -hmm. as a character. Like his, his his like attempts to get over his own like kind of fear that everyone is secretly laughing at him, mm-hmm. I thought was a really interesting art throughout the story. Yeah, I I like that too, and it also brought in an an element of mindfulness where he would he would like focus on his gloves and think about the present. 
which I thought was great. Yeah, he's like almost unbelievably sweet. Like he is a puppy. He is the sweetest moon puppy you will ever <laughs> did see. And it's a little hard to believe. But also it's like, you know how recently there was that thing that came out that somebody found a a diary from a farmer in the 1700s or something or six, or 1800s. Yeah, probably 1800s cuz that was the height of the anti-gay but he was like reasoning with himself why in in his journal why being homosexual is not a crime because they are born that way and it makes no sense to punish someone that they are for something they are born with and it was hailed as some sort of like like they're more progressive than we thought they were you know blah 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 bullshit which is like i mean a lot of people could come to that conclusion and also he's like a farmer he's not hanging out with a lot of people (laughs) and he's he's writing in his journal about it not like proselytizing to the to the world and i think i think a lot of people think that way like just in quiet ways they make their own decisions they're not necessarily the the loudest voice and the most violent voice and the most outraged voice like that's all we hear and so like with this one i was like oh yeah men are also people and they could reasonably like reason to themselves that it's good to like treat women as humans you know <laughs> and like not have ulterior motives like he was very clearly not a nice guy you know with a capital n he wasn't like he he said in multiple times like i don't want to like seem like i'm doing this for like some sort of accolade or to get into her pants you know that kind of thing just that was great and he's also like he's out of the norm he's a scholar he's He's not really that into society. So I like it when the, the characters are not like particularly sexual because it's kind of like, you know how you hear that like in high school, everybody's doing it, but nobody nobody's really doing it, you know? <laughs> like there really aren't that many people who are like rakes, like just sleeping with the entire, <laughs> I don't know, London or whatever. And he was just like, yeah, no. I don't really like that thing but it was unbelievable but also believable because he seemed like a person who thought in a person way also another thing i liked about this is that so you know you know how i like romance novels and then i'm like if this were real life this would be awful but i like it in this context Uh In this one, I actually uh, liked him for real reasons. Because there was a part where she was like, I like him because he's kind. And I I was like, I also think that way when I'm like dating and getting to know someone. I'm like, are you kind? Like, that's an important aspect of being a person in this world. And he is truly kind. He truly does not want to get her stuck in the middle of something she doesn't want to do. Oh, here it is. Yeah. 
He was kind. He possessed generosity and boundless intelligence and curiosity about the world around him, everything that had made him such an excellent friend. She kept returning to him over and over again because he was genuinely a good man and he valued her for herself. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. Like, that's what I look for. Where are the online dating sites that say weeds out the not genuinely kind people, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Can I put that like as my type, quote unquote, (laughs) like believes in humanity and (laughs) tries to treat people, all people with respect, like, you know? Yeah, like acts in an ethical and Mm -hmm. thoughtful manner their own life yeah which of course wouldn't work in a real context because it's really easy to just say that you do that or believe that you do that and actually not do that yeah it's not attitudinal it's behavioral Mm -hmm. so yeah i really like that yeah those those are like actual boxes that i like to tick like kind generous intelligent curiosity an excellent friend Good job for her for realizing that he has those good qualities. Yeah. Would you say an excellent friend? And one of the things I really liked about this book is that everybody is a friend. Everybody is friendly. Everybody's a friend. And they're like true friends. Like it's not like Mm -hmm. frenemies or people that are just there to supplement the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just like random companions or anything. Like they, so like there's Grace and Grace has friend two friends who Jane who she spends some time with right, and she's also friends with she's friends with both of the love interests in this book Mason Fredericks mm-hmm. and Sebastian before, and she's also like and there's also what this great thing that happens I thought in the book in that so in the same way and I didn't realize until this book, and it's not entirely the same thing but. Like I had, ex- I was perfectly fine with Mason Fredericks being kind of like a cad. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But in the end, Sebastian really likes him, and they're friends, and they're <laughs> yeah. friendly with each other. That was my favorite part when like, he was like, "Oh, he actually has a sense of humor." Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like really thoughtful and nice, and like mm-hmm. you know, and Grace Levin is like, "You only like me now because you saw someone else," and he's like, "You." you're right Uh you know and he like apologizes and you're like you know this guy is all right like this guy is is not terrible you know he's not a like a cardboard rival yeah he's not a cardboard rival up to the point when and this was fabulous so he so grace and mason are friends and he Mm -hmm. proposes to her and then she says, I can't because I'm in love with someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and and so as part of the proposal, he's like, also be my reptile expert on my expedition. And she's like, thinks it over. And she's like, I can't marry you. I'm sorry. And he's like, OK, but do you still want to be my reptile expert? Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yes. Like, you guys are friends. You guys are friends. Because you're friends. You're high five. I was like, oh my god, yeah, of course you could still do that because we're all fucking adults in this book. Yeah, we're adults. Um, and then there's like the friendship between the Duke of Rotherby and Aww, Sebastian. Yeah. Which was really cute because the Duke is like, I love the part that like both Grace and Sebastian basically gave the Duke of Rotherby so much crap throughout oh my the book. God, that was so great. They, 
it, they gave him so much crap because he's obviously like, you know, he obviously knows how to work in society and they don't. But the, they sort of were like snickering the way academics do. Mm-hmm. Like they can't do it, the Duke, but they can certainly make fun of people about it. Right? <laughs> the Duke is like the actual rake and he tries to teach Sebastian how to be a rake. Because these dumbasses, this is one of my favorite parts. These dumbasses are like, how do I become a rake, says Sebastian. I I don't know, says Grace. We could probably research it. And then they find this old ass book and act like some like 17th century roué or whatever. <laughs> and Rother becomes and he's like, no, 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 no. I... She'll stop you there. (laughs) Then they're like hanging out and all three of them are hanging out. And Grace and Sebastian are making in-jokes that are science related. Making fun of Rotherby because he can't understand whatever weird academic thing they're talking about. And I love that part because a lot of times in romance novels, it's like man plus woman. And you don't really care. Like, if they actually get along, you know, like there's a lot of sizzling sexual tension, but it's just basically two strangers getting together. But in this one, it's like, you guys are great together. You're so great. You make jokes. You make fun of his friend. That is the best. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. No, that was. Yeah. And they were. Yeah, they were both clearly like giving him a lot of shit about it. Which was really cute. It was really cute. Oh, so cute. cute. (laughs) Also, she had a scholar friend with a husband. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. interesting. I don't know if she's in another book, the the scholar friend. Jane? Yeah. Well, this was book, this is the first of the Union of the Rakes. Mm -hmm. But they Um, also talk about the Lady of Dubious Quality, which is in another Ava Lee book. So it could be that Jane actually is, has her character. Oh, that's possible. But yeah. Yeah, because they bring it up, the um, astronomer. Mm-hmm. Though, yeah, and so I thought that was all, like, extremely adorable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and everybody's friends. Everybody's friends with everybody's everybody else. Everybody's friends, and it's not, like, it's real friendship. Like, it's not, like, frenemies. It's not social climbing friendship. It's not friends through the lens of masculinity like you know there's that point where (laughs) sebastian's like i really love rotherby and he knows it but men never talk about it ah fuck i'm just gonna talk about it (laughs) and then they like hug and rotherby's weird about it (laughs) but (laughs) it was just something seb wanted to do so it's fine but also Mm -hmm. like just like one of the hardest things to to have in a friendship is an altruistic like love that someone is doing well. She says how whenever she was near Sebastian, she felt her entire being lifted up and how she spent in every moment apart from him waiting, hoping to see him again. She adored seeing him develop his confidence these past weeks. And it seemed as though by learning how to manage his fear of strangers, and new situations, he was more comfortable, which gladdened her. Like, that kind of, like, uplifting feeling of, like, you are doing so well and I'm happy that you're doing well. You know, like, that's hard to have when you don't have, like, a true friendship. Mm-hmm. If you're, like, stuck in your own selfish feelings of, like, they're doing better than me, you know? 
but she's like noticing how well he's doing and how this journey has like encouraged him to gain more confidence, which she's like, that's fucking great. I want the best for him because I love him as a friend and also just love, you know? Yeah. Like she wants him to be happy. Mm -hmm. She truly wants the best for him. Yeah. And they have this sort of like dramatic love or whatever, but also they have this, this, this sort of regard for each other that exists before that and exists after that and exists between the different characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you have to match, like you have to, you have to have something to build off of in a relationship. Yeah, it did have a, I would agree, a more of a, so in romance novels, people are just like, they just look at each other and they just feel this attraction, Mm -hmm. which in real life would be terrifying. If I looked at a random dude and I'm like, I've got to fuck that dude. (laughs) That would be a problem in my life, Uh right? Like, I don't think like, but this book didn't really have that same like whoa type of of thing it had more of the idea there was kind of like all of these different types of friendships that existed across different characters Mm -hmm. um and the ways in which they sort of like i think the big theme of this book is the idea that that they so value the relationship they have that it gets in the way of their realizing that they Mm -hmm. just need to like end up together right yeah and i think When it comes to that passionate look at someone and, like, immediately fall in love with him or whatever, there's an element of, like, non-consent to that. Like, there's an element of possession of someone that you have no likelihood of possessing. If you just met that person and you're like, she's mine, like, that's objectifying. That's deciding that somebody has that you have power over that person you know i think some romances like it misses that mark like it misses the mark of like actually being love and really just being possession Mm. and with this one like he was very clear about she's not my possession i love her but i don't want to get away get in front of her dreams in front of her desires you know and i thought that was really great Because you just, because how much, it's just like how much, how much of romance is entitlement? Like those kind of like big sweeping moments where the guy runs into the middle of the wedding and is like, I love you. Like, dude, does she care about you? Does she, she's obviously marrying some other guy. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, love actually where that guy... (laughs) like says I love you to his friend's wife. She didn't need that. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. So I will say in terms of like, I like the sort of like, I need you thing, like waiting until the moment that she's like gotten onto a ship and you have to like, <laughs> have to like commandeer uh-huh. another ship to like catch up to their ship. And the other, the other people like, were like, yes. yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a sweeping moment. Definitely. Yeah. But she liked it, so it's fine. (laughs) And also he found out that they didn't marry, so that's that's helpful at least. Yeah, that's (laughs) but yeah, that that was a great, great romance moment where he's like, I must get on this ship. And he's like, I will pay you anything. And they're like, This is great. (laughs) The yacht. I, I couldn't imagine anyone other than like 1920s people just 
hanging out on the yacht. <laughs> I don't know what a yacht looks like in the 1800s. Yeah, I don't I don't know if people really really did that yet. <laughs> this book is also very funny at times, I thought. Mm-hmm. In which uh so for example when they're dancing and he's trying to 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 not be attracted to her. So at one point he's like Let's see. Think we've proved the we've we've proved the acoustics work. Thankfully, she said. Shall we get down to business? Follow me. Grace ascended the stairs, and he followed. And he's like, "Do not look at her her arse." Don't look. <laughs> he looked at her arse. To his dismay, it was perfectly delicious. Anyway, so I thought that I always love that sort of like those sorts of things in romance novels where they're like, "Don't do that. Don't do that." I did that. Ah, and, I think those are, and it was ah. as good as I expected. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the other part where they're like they were talking about brothels and things as they're doing their research for what they need to do mm-hmm. he's like Bef- in any event i would ask you to take notes of the men outside and how they are interacting and uh, how they interact with the ladies not the older gentlemen who settled into comfortable middle age the younger set the ones with the tightest breeches grace noted her pencil moved in rapid <laughs> Showing off their thighs in an evident courtship display, very common within the animal kingdom. Are you sketching, Seb asked? Male thighs? <laughs> she rolled her eyes, of course. <laughs> she's she's uh, totally okay with sex, which is great. She that is, I found that kind of, sh- all right. The other thing that which we just have to agree is that this is genre and not historical oh, definitely. in any way. Like, mm-hmm. they use the term problematic. Right. <laughs> Problematic is, is a term that people use only in this in this half of the sen- of this decade. Uh, you know? Yeah. There's a great part where Rothbury is talking about a brothel and he's it's called something like the Orc the Orchid Society or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. The Orchid Society. And, and, and they're the- both so clueless and they're like, What's the Orchid Society? <laughs> And then she's like, I've never really been into flowers before. She's like, but I could be. He's like, when do they meet? <laughs> but yeah, like like Grace is like, I'd like to join him. They're like, uh, probably <laughs> no. not. <laughs> Rothbury chokes on his own spit. It's hilarious. I'm excited mm-hmm. to read other ones. Yeah, I was kind of into the next books as well. I didn't read them. Yeah. I didn't read the next one, but the next one is about the Duke of Rotherby. Oh, he was cute. He was also like, so, you know, there's like that alpha Duke, you know, and, and he, he does everything right. And he's like the consummate, you know, Lothario. And he was like that, but he was also funny in <laughs> in some great ways. Like every time his valet said, said something like, you are the smartest man, you are the the most beautiful man in the town or to like Sebastian Rotherby mm-hmm. would clear his throat <laughs> and then the valley would be like besides du- the Duke of Rothbury of course <laughs> <laughs> so great like he's like there's definitely humor in there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I thought that he was, it was really cute how everyone was always making fun of him. <laughs> and, like, also that clearly everyone, like, other people were all trying to, like, kiss up to him constantly. Mm-hmm. Which you could tell was going to be part of his arc. 
is like no no one really you know needs me Mm -hmm. it's gonna be all serious and she's like not attracted to him whatsoever which is so great I feel like there's been many times in my life where I'm like, you are extremely objectively attractive and I have no desire for you whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) But that weird kid over there, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how many stars did you give it? I give it four stars. Oh, that's that's pretty cute. high for you. That's high for me. Yeah, I might give it five. I might even give it five stars. <laughs> no, I, I I mean we thought it was going to be good. It was very cute. Like I said, I liked the friendships. It surprised me. I thought Mason Fredericks was going to be gay. Yeah, yeah, I thought that as well. For a while. Because he like perked up when he saw and he was mostly looking at he mostly was looking at Sebastian. And I was like, oh, is this going to be like it's sad and that like he's going to like come on to Sebastian and Sebastian's not going to be into it. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to be a a gay man in Georgian times, which fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or I thought that Mason Fredericks was like secretly broke and like trying to. Yeah. I get it, Grace's fortune. Mm-hmm. But I, so I was happy when it was like, he's a great guy. She's just in love with someone else. Mm-hmm. She's anyway. and um, one of my favorite parts was the village scene, where they like they sneak away to go to this small village, and they hang out with peasants. That I mean, I guess they're peasants, <laughs> like <laughs> village folk. Who have some sort of May Day type ritual. And you know that Sebastian's all about that. And it's one of those like beautiful moments of like complete like within the moment type joy. You know. Like it reminded me a lot of um, the princess theory when uh, they were like on the subway. And they were having a great time. Or also when they were dancing. And they were having a great time. Like, just just one of those moments that, like, shines. That's just, like, beautiful in itself. Mm-hmm. I really like that. They This book also, in a non-genre type way, did not pull any punches. And they just went and they did it <laughs> after that. Which I was not expecting. I was figuring that they would, like, wait on some level. Oh, but yeah. And you, you know, guess- like, romance novels are, I mean, Regency novels are, like, the trope is that the woman is a virgin and she's like it's gonna hurt and they're like gonna be surprised by everything but she's like nope I'll yep let's do it Mm -hmm. which is great it was a beautiful sex scene I really liked it yeah I thought it was um it it didn't have like didn't have like magic vagina you know Mm -hmm. like where they're like I didn't think it would be good and it was amazing, impossibly amazing because mm-hmm. I'm in a book and that, but it was also like, I don't know. I agree. I mean, it was very much a sex scene written in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Like there was a lot of consent mm-hmm. going on. And also um, it showed how um, the reason why Sebastian, one of the reasons why Sebastian is not a rake is because he's so emotional when, when sex is involved 
because he was like, I love her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's that's the thing about being like <clears throat> having casual sex is you should probably not become emotionally attached to the person you're having sex with. <laughs> and sometimes that's just hard for people. Like, I know it's hard for me and it doesn't matter like the gender it, of someone. It could be difficult for someone or not difficult, but. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, cause he's not truly a rake, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he doesn't even to the point where like you kind of hoped that Sebastian would like go and woo some ladies with money. <laughs> um, and it never comes up, mm-hmm. which is weird because, like, now he has this whole skill set that would probably make him really rich. But he doesn't. Do you mean him being a gigolo? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> go, mo- I mean, go monetize could... that rakeness. Go, go monetize it. You know, you got to get some research funds. There's a lot of women looking him up and down too. He yeah. could, he could All be. S- yeah, yeah, he could, uh, he could go at a lot of expeditions if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful pun. <laughs> That's great. Uh, um, the one part I didn't like is that she didn't go to in the in the end. She didn't go on her expedition to Greenland. Oh yeah, and also they're I both poor. I don't know how she's they're gonna go on any of things. I, that was like not not figured out anyway. You know. Yeah. The other yeah, reason okay. why um, Sebastian is not a rake is because he doesn't have any fucking money. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why, like, Grace doesn't consider marrying Sebastian is because he doesn't have any fucking money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like everybody forgets. <laughs> not I mean, historical. Like, do you, do you like, like, Sebastian or do you, I mean, do you like him? 10 million a year more than Mason Fredericks? Yeah. Because that's the difference. It's got to be 10 million. (laughs) Yeah. But she's got to have money. I was expecting some sort of like tie up with that. Like, it's okay. I have money. Or like his uh, merchant father would be excited that he's now related to somebody in the nobility. And so he would start giving Sebastian money again. You know, but nope, that wasn't it. Yeah, they're just yeah, they poor. really didn't fix that up. They're just poor, except that they're not poor because this random lady is sending them to South. Oh yeah, <laughs> biggest Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Which means maybe he did use his jiggle skills. Oh, expeditions <laughs> <laughs> gone to exotic lands. Uh-huh. Uh. Do you have any last words? No. no, I don't think so. I think we both really liked it, mm-hmm. which is fun. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, A plus would recommend. Yes, would recommend. Fun. Fun. Lots of fun. And next, we're going to read something nerdy. We haven't decided Contemporary what. nerd, which is different from nerdy. Regency nerd, which is what we just read. Yes. Yeah. So... That's the plan mm-hmm. at this moment. Yeah. But uh, I think this is a good time to uh, recognize our friendship, Wendy. Oh, uh, we have had a good friendship, haven't we? We do. This book is about friendship, and I'm glad I'm your friend. I'm glad I'm your friend. I just said that in a weird way, but, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, but you just, I like how you just kept going with it. You're like, yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, I'm glad I'm your friend, but then I made, I'm glad you're, you're my friend, which sounds like <laughs> I'm like trying to best you. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm more glad. Once upon like a time, many years ago, I met this wonderful young woman who brought a typewriter to camp and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship uh, four seasons later four yeah <laughs> cut to you today mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah uh, yeah friendship yay thank you for listening to getting lit available monthly on itunes for extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash S4EP3, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at librarianalana. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. Yay! <laughs> the Analana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!